Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Super Soul Solutions. Uh, scheduled today was part four with Captain Randy Kramer is an augmented super soldier who has served 30 years in the United States Marine Corps, special sections, 17 years with the Mars Defense Force, and 13 years with the Earth Defense Force and fleet, protecting Earth and the solar system, and he is still active. So in 2014, Captain Kramer was authorized by his Brigadier General Julian Smythe to reveal his secret space program experiences within the United States Marine Corps Special Sections Division. So as usual, this show's topic has been chosen to uplift you as well as inform you about the exciting rolling out of advanced technologies that we will all benefit from. And most of this advanced medical and environmental technology was shared with us in trade from extraterrestrials to help advance us forward. It was known from observing probable timelines that 2012 onward would be a large-scale transition and consciousness-raising opportunities for humans to wake up, stand up, and advance their civilization to become a peaceful planetary society or through confusion and intimidation, fall under tyrannical control. I prefer the former rather than the latter, and I'm sure all of you do too. So welcome back, Randy. I hope you're back on, and thank you for contributing your time and energy yet once again. Are you there? Okay, so let's get on with it. I know that one of our shared passions are the various holographic medical regenerative beds that we have already covered in the previous shows. And, of course, you, with your dangerous job as an augmented super soldier, were regenerated, as you shared, in those med beds numerous times. So I'm wondering if you can briefly tell us about what you know or envision regarding the planned rollout of these med beds to the civilian population. We have a lot to go through, so, you know, not in super detail, but what, what, what's your guesstimation? Okay, I'm, I apologize because I, I only caught the last half of that question. Can you just please repeat the question? Yes, yes. Uh, if you can briefly tell us what you know or envision regarding the planned rollout of these med beds to the civilian population. So, gotcha. So there's probably, well, of this particular type, this is a holographic cellular regenerator. I have some ability to create a civilian prototype and bring it to the marketplace, but there's been issues in getting the venture capital to sort of get that off the ground. So there's probably actually another 10 or 11 different but similarly applicable medical devices which do a lot of this can repair the same type of damage, but in different ways using different technologies. And I would suggest as we go through the sort of disclosure invasion scenario, as we get into the post part of that, the reconstruction part, who knows uh, of those 10, which are going to be maybe the first three that they decide to pop out. So it might be holographic cellular regenerator. It might be nano uh, surgery robot arms. It might be 3D cell printing. I'm not sure what they're going to try to roll out. Okay. So there's, there's, less, there's about a dozen different options, so we'll see. Okay, because we're going to talk about a little bit of those. But are we talking... 10 years, five years, two years, it's kind of starting now. It depends on the technology, correct? Uh, and the funding. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think, well, if, if we're talking about the civilian 
process that we were thinking about doing almost a decade ago, which would have made a difference if we'd gotten started, you know, seven or eight years ago, um, would be a five to 10 year process. But because where we are now, we could be looking at a three to five year process before we have different technologies coming out of different programs into the civilian sphere that have nothing to do with me and therefore could be faster and more accessible to the civilian population than anything else that, you know, we could be working on that could take five to 10 years if we started tomorrow, if we got the funding. Okay. All righty. Um, so what can us civilians do just really briefly, like hold the vision, of course, of this coming out, but uh, do you suggest for those interested or is it just a question of timing and things are going to take its own course? Or both. Well, people are always welcome to contribute their positive envisioning to what's going on in the rest of the world. Um, but it's going to happen when it happens, pretty much. So, you know, people are, are more than welcome to contribute to the well-being of that outcome, but it's pretty much going to happen when it happens. Okay. All right. But we're not talking 20 years or anything. We're talking um, probably less. Oh, I think we're talking less than five. Okay, good. Okay. We're going to work for that. For Okay, so, and this is also true with the age regression technology probably. So let's move on to, I have this vision of a helmet that can help up-level our consciousness to be more aware and receive downloads from the fields more easily. Is there something like that going to be coming forward at all? I know your psionics class uh, helps with that, but is there a, a technology that will be coming forward at all for civilians? Well, there is a few different technologies that do that. So you have simulator technology, which is essentially a headgear that you put on your head that then takes you into a simulation like matrix style. So you're perceiving things in a five sensory way. Everything uh, obeys the laws of physics that the program tells it to so that you can practice, you can train, you can practice shooting things and blowing things up and fighting things in, in a simulation that's as as almost real as you could get to being real without quite being real. Um, there are also uh, a type of helmet that is not simulating information, but literally taking the encoded information in a way that your brain can download it directly, and then essentially downloading that information straight into your brain. Interestingly enough, just like in the Matrix when he sits in the chair and learns how to do all the kung fus and everything by just having it downloaded into his brain. Uh, psionic amplifiers right. are a different technology but would also assist in development of the brain, which helps memory and ability to access information psionically. So there's sort of three different technologies that kind of have a similar outcome going three completely different directions there. I would have no idea which one of those would be first. Okay. Well, the psionic one will be the one that's the most valuable to us civilians. And so that's probably why you're teaching the class online, right? Is because yep, that's the one. Much. I mean, most of us aren't soldiers, so we don't need the shoot 'em up stuff. We need the things that are going to, you know, help our, um, our brain develop and open up our awareness and create greater discernment. Would you oh, agree yeah. with that? Everybody benefits from brain, mental, mind development, and self-mastery because it benefits everything, no matter what it is or what you want to do. Right. Okay. Um, so that's rolling out now, of course, online with you at uh, Covert 
Covert Space Cowboy, is that what it is? Correct. .com. Covert Correct. Space Cowboy. And uh, you have the first, I was looking over it, you have the first online four modules ready to go mm-hmm. almost, right? Correct. And, um, and then I understand that people can take it at their own time, right? And Correct. not have to speed through it. And there's going to be a price Hello, per module. Quite the opposite. I'm, I'm making sure that there's a, a, a homework integration period between lessons that's a week. So once you do the lesson, you got seven days of doing the homework before you get to go to the next lesson because I want really deep integration and the exact opposite of trying to rush everybody through something and go the opposite direction, which is, you know, slow and steady wins the race. So the the plan for this is, it's going to, on purpose, make it a very slow, deliberate process because, from my experience, that's the only thing that really gets a higher percentage of success from a people in that kind of a program. It's how we do it in the military, and I kind of figure there's some way to have to replicate that, and this is the best way that I can think of. Otherwise, I think the flaw that a lot of other teachings out there at the moment have, I'm not pointing fingers, I think it's just methodology, that a lot of the methodology mm-hmm. is to crunch a lot of information to people's brains really fast and expect that they're going to go do something with it when that's just not how kind of teaching to learning to action to integration works. So hopefully we're doing the opposite of that, of making it deliberately be a slow, deliberate process so that there's better integration and a higher percentage of student success. And plus I like the accountability of that, you know, and the timing of that. And um, what about for those that, of course, always have time as a factor? Are we talking homework as half hour to an hour a day? What's kind of the approximate? Um, so yeah. I, I started out at about 15 to 30 minutes because the homework is essentially teaching people how to carve out and sit and do meditative exercise and discipline at least every day for a certain amount of time. And when you're doing that every day, you can start out at like 15 to 30 minutes, but at some point you're really shooting for 45 to 60 minutes or, or more a day. And that's really, you can do less than that, but you kind of, that's what you have to do. Right. Yeah, well, that makes sense. It's like, you know, we have to apply ourselves, even if we're, you know, to uh, get results. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so the purpose, yeah, the, it, the goal there is just to make it, it's, it's not a lot of homework. It's just about this is what you have to do every day over time to integrate what you're doing or it won't happen. So it starts out, you know, with a few minutes, but it'll eventually be, like I said, yeah, about an hour a day. Okay. And your previous um, classes have had very, very good success rates, correct? Oh, yeah. No, my past students have had tremendous success by the end of the class. And pretty much basically the last three classes I taught in person, uh, I taught a telekinesis technique and had 100% of the students in all three classes that could replicate the technique by the end of the class. Oh, so cool. And folks, um, I'm sure most of you know, but telekinesis is moving an object with uh, energy in your mind. Okay, so that's great news. All right, so that's 
kind of when people are going, what can I do to take responsibility? You know, a lot of meditating, doing yoga, but here's something where that will actually wake us up more, use more of our brain capacity, put us more in brain coherence, I imagine, and also do the thing that is so hard for humans, which is increase discernment because we tend to be really gullible. So really appreciate that. I'm signed up for it, forward to that. So let's move on ahead to another one of my passions, which is rolling out big time as we speak in the civilian quarters, which are 3D printers and other more advanced replicators that I imagine we also receive from galactic extraterrestrials. And by the way, folks, in the pre-announcement, I included two photos of a kidney that was made in seven hours with a 3D replicator shared by Anthony Atala on a TED Talk. So, Randy, can you share with us how our lives will be improved by these replicators and what they are capable of? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question because you certainly have the sort of line of progression of civilian technology and the line of progression sort of in covert technology. And this is one of those areas where I don't know that the covert technology is actually going to jump over anytime soon because the civilian technology is going to catch up really quick. So pretty soon the civilian technology of 3D cell printing body parts, organs will be to the point where we'll be, you won't have to look for a donor for a kidney or a heart or an arm. They'll just 3D print you one and then transplant it. So mm-hmm. that, that will be actually also create for the possibility of restoring limbs. You're not growing them back. You're growing a new one and then reattaching it. Which, but that's pretty close. That's still pretty good. That's almost as good as growing a new one. So that level of uh, ability to restore limbs through 3D printing of body parts is really close, really close. That's really cool. And then, of course, you're, you're, you won't reject it because it contains your own uh, signature, your right. own frequency, right. which I think is a major right. e- it, one of the major issues that uh, organs are rejected. So what about uh, food replicators? Seems like we're going to have those maybe eventually pretty soon. And to add hunger, what do you think? That's more of an eventually thing. I don't know about pretty soon. Um, I, I, it's honestly a technology. One of the technologies I'm the least familiar with. So there's really not okay. a lot I can say about it. And and from what I hear, I mean, I, I can see it. Some industries, some corporations may be getting access to it, but I can see it being cost prohibitive that it's unlikely that civilians will probably have food replicators anytime soon, but, you know, mid by the end of the century, maybe. Really? Because a couple, you know, ones like Emory Smith, uh, you know, came forward and stuff, and he thought it was going to be sooner, or they were working Mm. hard on it being sooner to help uh, world hunger. And stuff, and that oh, he got sure. into the details. No, no, that I, oh, I fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can see that happening. I can just see that because you don't necessarily want to make all the food production useless, that you don't just necessarily want to give people things that make it so they don't ever have to buy food in the food production cycle again. That would crash the economy. So right. I can see it not being a thing that you just want to give everybody because then people who make food don't make money making food anymore. So uh, that's why that's why I don't see it being a broad access civilian technology anytime soon. It doesn't mean we won't have a access or the ability to have access to it, but I think it'll be specialized agencies, organizations for specialized reasons, uh, re- really remote locations where it's difficult to get supplies like Antarctica and stuff like that could be, you know, a perfectly good place mm-hmm. to put in a replicator, food replicator. 
I don't think you're going to be able to go down the street anytime soon to a food replicator restaurant. Um, but you know, we'll see, okay. but I don't think that's going to happen that soon, but you know, you know, what do I know? And uh, I'll share really briefly a couple sentences of what I was told that everything's on a database. And, and now this is more of course a secret project. So people have to keep track of that. Everything's on a database. And when you go into cafeterias and use the food replicators, it already knows what things you like, and you pretty much just put your hand or your signature or uh, that, and it, it kind of rolls out on these uh, pretty really interesting glass pad tables, which we'll get into in a couple minutes. So, um, and it contain, you know, you're not killing animals eventually, you're doing anything like that, but it's supposed to contain the nutrients that you need for health. So that's a little bit that I've been told about that. But um, I've also been told there's super advanced replicators. And today I was researching uh, the really advanced ones. Do you, do you do you have any knowledge of the advanced replicators beyond the 3D? Do you, well, have you like heard I said, about it, that? It's one of the least okay. areas of technology that I would have any experience with. Okay. Well, I'm just, only because this was made public, I'm just going to share this really quick, and then we'll move sure. on because I think people will be interested in it. Uh, Chinese construction company, 3D prints an entire two-story house on site in 45 days. Hua Zhong Tengda construction company, 3D printed a 1,200-square-foot two-story house in 1.5 months rather than normal construction time, 6.7 months. Beyond the speed and low cost of the process, the fact that it can allegedly withstand all but the very strongest of earthquakes could save millions of lives, blah, blah, blah. You can find that on, just go and Google two-story 3D printed villa and also on 3db.com. They show a picture of it, kind of like Chinese construction company 3D prints an entire two-story house on site in 45 days. That's the title. And I'm looking at it right now. It's quite different from other 3D printed construction techniques. Uh, the team first directs the frame of the house complete with rebar support and plumbing pipes and prints over it with their gigantic 3D printer, which only recently completed testing after several years of development. Then the printer, as seen in the video below, which they show you in a video, has a sort of forked extruder that lays concrete on both sides of the structure, swallowing it up and encasing it securely within the walls. Then the printing material, concrete, very tough, durable, and inexpensive. And they state that any cement material can be used with the process so that the construction firms can take advantage of what is locally available. 20 tons of concrete were used to print the 250 centimeter thick walls of the villa, and seismic testing showed that the structure should be capable of withstanding an earthquake as strong as eight on the Richter scale. So. Also, they have 3D printed. So I, I, um, I apologize. I must have misunderstood you because I actually know quite a bit about 3D printing construction. And, and what's even what's the coolest part about that right now is is not just that you can 3D print any building cheaper and faster than you can do anything else with. It's that the concrete technologies are we're moving way past uh, like regular concrete. So there's aircretes now which are essentially uh, a foaming concrete so that it's lighter weight, stronger, fireproof. So you can actually make a concrete that's fireproof up to, you know, over 2,500 degrees or something like that. So, oh yeah, no, the 3D printing construction technologies, that's absolutely the future of 
industrial, civilized construction, housing construction, <clears throat> everywhere. Yeah, I, I know some people who are actually deeply involved in those projects right now uh, doing oh, cool. remote. Yeah, especially, again, like constructing things in remote locations where it's difficult to get, you know, stacks and yeah. stacks of wood and nails and lots of workers building the old-fashioned way when you can just – you just got to bring enough printing uh, – building printers and then, you know, giant vats of these different kinds of concrete and aircretes and stuff that you can use depending on how strong and how big you need the – how fireproof and stuff that you want them to be. But yeah, the materials that they're, that they're using are incredible and the reinforcing is incredible and the speed and the cheapness, which you can make them. Yeah. It's absolutely the future of construction on planet earth. Cool. Okay. So great. Yeah. Um, they also made this guy's hand, uh, Delgado's hand, a guy named uh, Smith, Jeremy Smith, who sold his 15-year-old Insto security company a few years ago and launched a 3D printing blog called 3D Universe. And he made the first hand for this guy who has been using previously a myoelectric fake flesh and hard-to-clean uh, prosthetic on his hand that he's missing that cost him $42,000 that he's used for years. And he, he was able to get this 3D printed hand costing $50 for material, and Simon did the work for him free. So, and it's tons better. So it's very exciting for the future, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for as far as small piece, small printing, small engineering, small shop 3D printing, uh, I know a dozen uh, people who are actively using that technology in the shops and the stuff that they build, and it's amazing uh it, it's a, it's another technology that is improving you know every six months so 3d printers that come out six months from now will make the ones six months ago look stupid and it's kind of like that so that the newer yeah. and newer printers and the newer materials are just better and better and better every time they upgrade they're really innovating in that field for sure okay cool so it's nice to have that validation so folks that's happening right now and you can research that online for all kinds of reasons. So the other thing um, that I was envisioning in my meditation is pure, clean water for everyone. Now, Randy, I know uh, on the ships, I'm pretty sure on the ships, that we have kinds of dry showers and toilets on special facilities that help purify and disinfect by vaporizing. So um, are we going to be, are those going to be implemented to, quote, save water? Um. <clears throat> Sometimes, sometimes you also have really, really, really wickedly efficient water recycling so mm -hmm. that you don't have to have a huge amount of reserves for water so that uh, the way the water is recycled and cleaned and refined um, is so pure and so localized that, you know, you can essentially for a single unit um, room on a ship can have its own self-contained water system that has its own water tank that's for the showers and the sink and the toilet and everything, and everything goes through a recycler so that the waste is separated out and turned into something else or, or separated out, and the water is literally purified in such a way that it's you know, 100% mm -hmm. pure, potable, and put right back into the same reservoir so that you can have really localized wow. water usage like that, really tight localized water usage. 
so the terraforming and cleaning up pollution of our soil and, oil and oceans, we can do that fast by, and oh, yeah. by the technique you described. Okay. Because I was told a couple of weeks. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's ambitious. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's possible. Who am I to say? But that seems a little ambitious to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Seems a little overly ambitious to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, um, fuel consumption ridiculous. I mean, we know we have inventors have many patents on cars running on hydrogen. So what, uh, we know we have magnetic Levitron trains underground. And so what are you envisioning? Anti-gravity cars, uh, hovercrafts, what, what are you envisioning? And when do you see that happening? That's a good question. Um, there's a lot of variables there. Um, I, I would suggest that if we dislodged some of the uh, oil company, oil cartel grip on the entire operation of how cars are made, um, mm -hmm. excuse me, uh, we could get off internal combustion engines and go into something that's way cheaper, way easier. Uh, hydrogen fuel cells are really expensive and they're really kind of wasteful. Saltwater engines turn out to be actually probably the most effective, smart thing for cars. So saltwater mm -hmm. engines, uh, there's a couple different types, but um, they're essentially using salt either as a – to create a battery charge or to crack hydrogen out of the salt water to burn in a combustion engine. There's sort of two different ways of using salt for – uh, combustion engine or battery power, and but they're both salt-based, which is really interesting. Uh, those are probably the two most efficient things that we should be doing for personal transportation. Whether we get to that is soon or not kind of depends on oil cartel shit. Uh, hover right. vehicles, anti-gravity vehicles. I'd say we're, mm, I'd say we're still some decades away from where that's a common thing, but uh, I think we'll see like prototype development and a few people, you know, specialized engineers and stuff working on stuff like that at home before big companies, you know, try to mass market that kind of thing over the next 10, 20 years. But I don't know that we're going to see mass marketing of anti-gravity vehicles. If we did, I think that they might be still like limited to anti-gravity vehicles that can't hover more than a foot off the ground so right. they're flying cars everywhere crashing into each other because then right. everybody would have to be a pilot or all the cars would have to drive themselves. If all the cars drive themselves and they can do whatever. As then yeah. auto, if, all the, if all the cars were automated they would just get us where we wanted to go without crashing into each other. Right. Okay. Um, we're not going to have a chance to cover all 15 but we can continue on the next show but how about uh, teleportation stations? Do you see that eventually in everyone's home? Do you see that at a, nope. a certain location? I, I do not Hello? see teleportation stations in people's homes for the next century. I don't. Oh, I would bummer. think that would okay. be one of the. La I would think that would be one of the last technologies that we would ever be able to have, like in your house. I, okay. I think it's more likely you're going to go to teleports like an airport, but that's a teleport where you go and, you yeah. know, there are stations that you, someone, a professional dials in that's connected to another teleport 
and then you go, you know, from port to port in that way. But out of your home, oh, no, I don't see that happening for a long time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I do see teleportation stations eventually coming that look like airports or something. Like you go to it and it teleports you first to different places on the planet, but then uh, other places out there eventually. Is that what you kind of get? Um, I, I think that because once the travel embargo is down, you're going to see an increase in transportation via ship and teleportation, and you're probably going to be some see some difference in scaling and pricing because we live in a capitalist society that's going to do that. Uh, but you're yeah. going to see some open access, you know, will depend on where you are in the scale. Teleportation technology is always you know, for people sort of at the highest tippy top is because it's kind of cost intensive as far as the machinery to operate and how much energy it takes to make a wormhole and shit because that's what you're doing when you're teleporting. You're really making a wormhole from point A to point B. So the technology Mm -hmm. is really expensive. Uh, At that point, you know, taking a ship somewhere is actually cheaper than you know, if you're really thinking dollar per dollar, what it costs to take a wormhole versus what it takes to take a ship, it's more expensive to take a wormhole. So okay. it's a lot more cost involved, a lot more overhead. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because I'm just kind of getting approximate timelines of what might roll out first, what may roll out, you know, second. So just kind of because what I really want people to do is focus on this and also start asking you know, for it to come in, because as long as we're willing to work, you know, to continue in archaic, uh, ancient, you know, vehicles and things like that, uh, I think that if we had enough people knowing all of this is somewhat available, they could put a little bit more pressure on um, governmental agents, you know, so, because it's back to we the people somewhat you know, as much as we can. So it's a way of being proactive. That's how I look at it. Um, I am always okay. positive about people being proactive. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what about universal translators? Uh, so that there will be oh, no language universal barrier. Translators. Yeah, that'll actually come pretty quick. Because uh, probably right after uh, we, we meet our new friends that help us kick the bugs out. Uh, yeah, universal translators will probably come with that like right away. So that that'll be pretty quick, I think. And and so that's a uh, yeah, and that's a simple device where there will be no language barrier, and so you can talk to anybody in any language and have it translated. Is that more or less correct, Randy? So right now, I there was a video I watched of a guy who literally used the Google Translate to go around the world and talk at it and had people talk at it and used the used the Google Translate to basically do that to go around the world. So the that level of technology, we've almost got to the point to as good as the stuff that's coming. But the difference with the technology that's coming is that it will have way more languages uh, in it. So, yeah, because you're going to have the intergalactic languages, right? Yeah, right. So, but even the civilian technology that we've actually been developing in, you know, audible language translation has gotten so far that the Google Translate is pretty good. It's not, it's not perfect. It messes up. And the, and the newer technology will be even more, you know, perfect at translating syntax. But we, we have a technology that's pretty freaking good right now. The Google Translate actually works pretty good. 
Okay. And um, so one of the things, let's ask you a couple more questions, then we have the two really important ones that I want to ask. Um, what about cell phones, you know, since they're, you know, they're tracking abilities and harmful radiation and smart glass pads? that are used in uh, special projects, and uh, what we'll be rolling out in terms of that kind of stuff? You know? um, to be honest, I mean, probably the, the next, like, most high-tech thing will be uh, your entire phone in a wristwatch and your interface in a contact lens that you stick in your eye so that you have an ocular interface that you can stick your finger out in the air and point at things that your phone can sense that you're doing in the relationship that you're seeing it visually with the special uh, cortical projecting contact lens that you have in your eye. I thought it's holographic coming out. And then you could use your finger to move it around. Is it like that? Oh, it, it's better than that because it's the ocular lens implant that lets you see all of that. It's not actually a holographic projection. It's a communication between the object and the lens, like in your eye, like a contact lens that is showing, it has a HUD on it. It's a contact lens with a heads-up display. And that heads-up oh display looks like, looks like a hologram out in front of you that's your interface. Yeah, it's pretty freaking cool. Okay, because that's what I'm envisioning, too. Now, I want to be clear here. This is not le- neuro-linked into your brain or anything no, like that. They're, this they're, is an no, external but have that avail- No, but they will have yeah. that available pretty soon, too, and some people are going to opt for it. Tesla's convinced yeah. that they're going to have that, like, next year. So there, some people are going to get it. That's their choice. I don't recommend yeah. it, but there's some people going to do it. Totally creeps me out. No, thank you. you got to keep yeah. the AI. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know a lot of soldiers. I, I, look, 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 no, I'm just <laughs> going to say this. A certain amount of cybernetization is inevitable. And, and so some people are just going to get some freaking cybernetic implants and shit because it's going to be effective and it's going to be cost effective and they're going to be super cool and some people are just going to do it. A certain amount of that's inevitable. Yeah. doesn't mean that, you know, any you have to get completely transformed, but there's going to be so many different, things that enhance hearing, vision, you know, brain function, communication, certain things that help people do their jobs better that some people will just go, oh, if I have that little implant, I can do this job better and get paid more money. Well, of course I'll do that. And to be honest, Mm -hmm. there are other species that use cybernetization in a way that's not harmful, not saying that we're going to be perfect at it, but it's kind of inevitable. It's a personal choice. You know, people don't have to get shit plugged into them, but it's kind of inevitable that we're going to have it. Yes, but hopefully it will maintain free will <laughs> choice. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. yeah. I see, it's, it's, I see, no, no, I the market, the awesome. free market. No, no. People who think that there's just going to take over and want to plug things into people's brains. No, we have a free market, and plenty of people will voluntarily do so because we have a free market. Okay. So they don't which have to force people into, to do that stuff. Which gets us into one of the que- important questions that I promised to answer people, and I know you know about, is what currency or trade are we moving towards and how soon? So if you could explain that to people. Well, once the intergalactic trade embargo is down, the communications travel embargoes are down, we will enter into a, the intergalactic economic community, which will mean that there will be uh, our currency will get an intergalactic 
uh, dollar value. It's not called a dollar, but let's just call it that for discussion's sake. So there's a, a value that our currency has in the intergalactic dollar, which translates to when we're trading things, how you calculate what is worth that we're trading and what it's worth that they're trading and how you can negotiate and figure what costs and so forth are. So we'll essentially be operating on connecting to an intergalactic system of currency that will have to integrate with global currency at the moment, which at the moment we we're doing okay with a multi-currency market, you know, with the global, you know, different currency from different countries and different unions markets. But at some point there will be a unionized global currency to go with that. And again, people who are all afraid that we're going to, we're going to eliminate all the other currencies. I seriously doubt that. Um, going to a global currency means that there's certain business that you'll do if you're doing business on that scale, especially things that are connecting to the intergalactic community that you're going to do it in global dollars instead of local dollars. But it's just like we do now. If you want to go somewhere where you got to buy something or do business in euros, you just, you know, have, uh, mm-hmm. the banking software automatically calculates what your U S dollars are worth in euros or in yen or whatever, you know, you're translating to. So we have an, a multi, uh, currency system that translates those values of currency constantly. So we can easily have a singular global currency that still translates and, uh, you know, transfers currencies and calculates for values of currencies so that you can still deal in U.S. dollars if you want or euros if you want or whatever, you know, your favorite freaking kind of money is. Okay. Um, okay. I, don't, I don't think so, I don't think any of that's going to get eliminated. So, I mean, I would imagine that there's civilian contractors and corporations well into the interstellar currency already because they're doing trading intergalactically. But for civilians, yeah. so... So what does it look like? Is it physical? Is it electronic? Does it look like a dollar bill? Is it like, can you describe it for us a little bit? Um, The only couple of times that I've seen, most of the time it's transferred digitally, but there is currency that you hold in your hand for spending, for small spending. And what I've seen, basically they're like little coins, like, like little plastic coins, but in the middle of the coin is a chip. And the chip essentially lets you electronically know what the value of and tracks the currency so that the currency isn't based on the value of the metal or a fabricated piece of metal. It's really on the electronic information on the chip inside the coin, but it still becomes physical currency that you can, you know, hand to someone on a counter and buy something with. But you also, but a lot of it really is just transferred electronically. So you would have a handheld device that you basically, you know, tell how much money you're paying to this person in front of you who also has a handheld device, and then you literally send it to that person's device, and they receive the money electronically, and pretty much everybody has it. Uh-huh. Okay. Great. Okay, so that gives us, like, a good idea. Um, I want to share a little something. I don't know. I, I imagine you probably haven't heard of this, Randy. Maybe you have. Um, but Emery was sharing this, and I'm like, I want to be the first person on this. Have you heard about the Tesla technology in some underground bases? That's um, not easy to have access to, but gets uh, loses weight and toxins super fast. Have you heard of that? Um, if you think, if you no. think a Tesla, oh my God, 
Well, the description from Emery, he's used it several times, is is that you have to get permission. It's a big deal. It's usually you have to be someone important and important for your health, but it's kind of described as a very small uh, container room. It looks like it's glass. It fits about a massage table in there. You mm-hmm. strip down, put, put your watch and your clothes in a locker. Then you go, you know, sit, lie down in it. There's a certain kind of Tesla coil, as in Nikola Tesla folks, mm-hmm. Tesla coil mm-hmm. technology right on the outside. And then it starts working, and the experience of the person inside is nothing other than they say 15 minutes went by, okay, and they mm-hmm. leave, and they go put their clothes on, and the, the their clock in their locker shows an hour went by, and they're at least 15, min, 15 pounds less and huge toxic release. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that cool? Never heard of such a thing in my life, but cool. I want one. I know. I know. Can you imagine how many people are going to sign up for that? I know. That would be uh, very popular, lying around the block. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. But anyway, <laughs> I just had to throw that in. I'm like, woo-hoo. Uh, if, yeah, if it's cool. You know, uh, if it's too, yeah. Uh, I talked to, like, two people that used it, but um, – so I'm assuming it's real, but uh, anyway, I, I, you don't need it, but uh, I, no, no, I, 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 I say I say uh, uh, not fat and toxified the old-fashioned way. <laughs> I eat right and I exercise. There you go. <laughs> All right, and good genes. Come on, come on. <laughs> All right. No, right, no, so- I, I, no, no. I, I've let myself go once or twice in my life, and no, no. If I don't eat right and exercise, it can happen to me too. I eat right and I exercise. That's how I. Yeah. That's how I do it. That's yeah. my secret. Yeah, taking responsibility. Okay, so yep. now now we're into kind of uh, the big thing that you were given permission a couple of months ago that you were cleared to share with civilians, uh, let's say a likely surprising event that may occur soon, and it will most likely be challenging for us in bringing all of us into planetary cooperation. So um, do you want to speak what you can about this? and how people can prepare and stay calm as much as they can. Sure. Well, we're looking at an upcoming invasion scenario. Uh, I'm being told to say months away, not years, months away. So exactly it's event-driven, not date or time-driven. So all of that is a little um, variable as far as what brackets of minimums to maximum in the range we're talking about, but I'm being told months. And um, due to talking points, reasons I may have said in the past that this may be a hoax or a fake invasion, I would like to correct and say that it's not what is happening at all. Uh, This is going to be pretty legit and probably being – orchestrated and puppet mastered from some of the Nushvabenlanders because, you know, mm-hmm. Nazis are dicks and they're always up to some stuff. And when pretty much when pretty much when the world is going wrong, you can almost know that there's some freaking Nazis behind it somewhere. And so um, 
It's going to be a little hairy. It's going to be a little crazy. I encourage people a couple of things. Stay out of the way. Don't be dumb. That's one one piece of advice. Stay out of the way and don't be dumb. Uh, a little preparation as far as food and water is not a bad idea, but I don't think we're going to be looking at the supply lines being so badly interrupted that, you know, stores and pe- people, cities will be starving for months at a time. I don't think that's going to be happening, but, you know, people got to choose what they want to be prepared for. But number one is that as the external stimuli to your amygdala is causing you to feel like you want to panic, first thing you got to do is remember rule number one of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Do not panic. (laughs) Don't panic. No matter what. And so as crazy it's going to be, just remind yourself, don't panic, take a breath, get your towel and, you know, uh, be in a safe space and don't get involved at the best as you can. Uh, People who want to go watch the big aliens fight with the humans, you know, could probably get killed. And if you do, then you earned that shit. That's your own fault and your Darwin Award. Um, So I don't recommend people do that. Other than that, I recommend that we remind ourselves that the whole purpose here is also to be unified and to work together. So, you know, be unified, work together, help each other out, be supportive of each other. We're all going to go through a tough time and uh, help each other out. Be good to your neighbors and look out for your neighbors and, you know, be nice to each other so that we can go back to being sensible Americans instead of a divided uh, and conquered country. Yeah. Well, and uh, hopefully moving us into planetary cooperation, is that kind of like after all this gets rolled out and it goes a certain way, which you and I would describe positive, is the result is, you know, like I'm going to share Reagan's favorite speech. And President Ronald Reagan back in 1987 said this, quote, cannot we and all nations live in peace? In our obsession with antagonisms of the moment, we often forget how much unites all members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? End quote, 1987. So... I would say that that somewhat was early truth disclosure a little bit. Um, well, you know, there's, there's, always been laying the, there's always been laying the groundwork for why you want to have an invasion scenario, and that sums it up. Yeah, it gets everybody on the same page, gets everybody cooperating. So I, I don't think and, we have to be sneaky about that at all. I think we can totally say that the, the end result of all of this is is that it gets us to work together, but – Again, just to, to be clear, it's not, you know, a fakey, hoaxy invasion. It's going to be real enough. So uh, people need yeah. to be very careful. But, again, don't okay, panic. So, okay, so help. I'm going to be real – yeah, I'm going to be really quick here, and you just say if I'm correct or not, okay? So if certain things happen that look like things are dropping down from the sky – unique beings or whatever, what you want to do is don't go out and be curious and don't grab guns and don't be crazy. Uh, Go home, hunker down, and stay calm. Is that more or less kind of what you're saying? 
Correct. Yes. Yeah. And if you're not at home, uh, also, would you advise heading on home or would you advise just seeking shelter, closing doors and windows, don't go out out of curiosity? Then how many days do we think this might be happening? That one's a tricky one because you've got to judge how far you are from home and how much time you think you got to get there and whether there's time for you to get there. If, if, you, if, if you're more than a couple hours from home, maybe you want to hunker down where you are. But if you're less than a couple hours from home, probably try to get home. Okay. So that's what we advise. And obviously, you know, just hang tight. I'm, uh, I'm sure a lot will, I'm sure it will prove to be fruitful, but it will be challenging and just be with those you love. Stay calm. If it does roll out, you know, have some canned soup and water and just, it's a good idea to have that anyway. So I appreciate uh, your team and your, um, uh, you know, higher ups, uh, generals giving us permission to be in the know so we can prepare without freaking out. So that's a very useful thing. Okay? My pleasure. So I appreciate that so much. And uh, do you want to give people, again, your website where they can sign up for the online psionics training or private consults with you again? Sure thing. It is covertspacecowboy.com. Uh, if you go on a via Facebook, it's also the Captain Randy Kramer Facebook page. Also, you can look that up at Covert Space Cowboy on Facebook. Find it either way, but covertspacecowboy.com. It's all there. Okay. Okay. And I appreciate you guys, your patience, and uh, know that a lot of amazing things are coming out. This is a time our souls all agreed to be here. Uh, we're infinite and immortal. We will get through this together. And for my next show, Randy is agreeing to come back. Thank you, Randy. And we're going to share about some of the amazing material science of advanced materials used in different types of suits and clothing that have remarkable beneficial qualities. And until then, onward and upward. <laughs>